Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 329, covering Shadows of Pajem and Shuttlepod 1, with Amanda Smith. Hi friends, Amanda's here. The ever-popular Amanda. You have fan a fan. favorite. So, there's that. Do I have mm-hmm. a fan? Yeah, at least one. At least yep. one person writes in and says, when's Amanda going to be on? I mean, that's a right-thinking person. Yeah. Nice work, you. <laughs> Nobody writes in and says, when will Alan Matt be on? <laughs> A lot of people write in and say, I wish Val and Matt weren't on. And then I cry yeah. silently. Yeah, I, I don't cry so silently. I weep into Al's beard. Why yep. are they listening? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's odd. I mean, we've all we've been on all of them. There's <clears throat> one episode Matt wasn't on and he was still like here in spirit. He still did a summary. So. Yep. Like, th- like one of those Star Wars ghosts? I sent Basically. it from beyond the grave. Yeah, he still did the work. He just didn't have a voice that week. Yeah. But he was still here. I had a terrible flu. Yep, an Came influenza. On, like, uh, for their, everyone's audit- auditory pleasure. Um, uh, guys. <laughs> yep. Here's some hilarious jokes about Star Trek. Blah. Yep. That's well, fever dream summary. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So this week was uh, not completely terrible, but there were some problems. These are definitely better episodes. So not as good as last week. Last week we were pretty happy. Yeah. This week is not as good as last week, but definitely better than the first run of episodes. I would that, say that is true. With some serious problems. This they had to choose the week that like my wife is on to be the most problematic. They surely did. <laughs> yeah. They just wanted me to get real angry. I guess the show just likes to hear me being angry. Yeah, I guess so. Is it's that what my fan likes? I it must be. Uh, but the first one is actually for Matt to tell us about. Mm-hmm. So why don't you please give us your summary of the events of Shadows of Pajem? Pajem. Yes, Pajem. All right, so the crew of, of Enterprise is getting yelled at. Specifically, the Vulcans are really pissed, uh, excuse me, understandably displeased that their secret listening station from that last Andorian episode was recently destroyed by Andorians. They pull the plug on any human-Vulcan joint effort, and that includes bringing T'Pol back so that she can take the full blame for this disaster. I mean, the Vulcans can't fire Archer. Speaking of Captain Squints, he's supposed to be meeting with some alien friends of the Vulcans who make especially good spaceships or something, so he figures he'll take T'Pol on one last ride to really irritate her. Unfortunately, the aliens in question are in a secret civil war, not to be confused with Marvel's current big summer event, Secret Civil War 2, let's all ruin Captain Marvel together, and a splat-faced alien with a voice like Buffalo Bill kidnaps them and ties them into the Siamese human knot. So a Vulcan ship shows up to take T'Pol home, and then Trip informs them that that's going to be a little difficult, what with the whole kidnapping thing. So then the Vulcan guy takes over the mission, so Trip and Malcolm instantly sneak out the back and steal the shuttlecraft. And then are instantly kidnapped by Andorians. You know, the nice thing about Enterprise is that everyone is on it is really fucking stupid. <laughs> so the Andorians are led by our boy Jeffrey Combs, who has been needing to repay Archer for tipping him off about the Vulcan listening station last episode. Saving him and his stupid, stupid crew and maybe shooting some rebel scum seems like a pretty good idea. So Trip disguises himself as a redneck cloak alien and distracts the guards with a sexy fan dance while the rest of the crew sneak in and save Archer from suffocating into Paul's breasts. 
I swear to God, Star Trek, you would not know sexy if it buried its face in your breasts. So then SEAL Team Sarek shows up and starts <laughs> taking pot shots at the Rebels. There's a big fight, and Paul jumps in front of a phaser blast that was supposed to kill uppity Vulcan guy, saving his stupid life. The Andorians leave, the Rebels are forced to return to their burning trash cans, and Archer gets Paul off the hook for that whole Andorian debacle. Right for everyone. They should have called this the Andorian debacle. That's a way better name. That would have been a pretty good uh, alternate yeah. title. Yeah. Also, speaking of uh, a way better name, I'm much more a fan of Captain Squints than I am of Captain Archie. Yeah, I like Captain Squints a lot. It's not bad. Yep. So uh, you're on to something there, I think. He does love to squint. God, he never opens his eyes, does he? I may have to be in space, but I certainly don't have to look at it. Yeah, space is so bright. I think he's anticipating the lens flares. <laughs> but the thing is, the way this is lit, a lot of the time, space isn't bright. It's a little murky. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, this one, I felt like, had a good premise. Like, the story was interesting. Following up on the events, like, I'm glad what happened last time was actually important. Yeah. But I, I feel like it kind of, like, didn't deliver on what it promised it's a lot it, it looks like it like it looks like it's supposed to be super political and about like the andorians and the vulcan stuff which interests me yeah but, they hinted that there was something going on there and now we got a little more into it except we didn't but then it just falls into the star trek trap of a whole lot of running around oh yep. man that's my bad thing the rebel base the design on it the design on this show actually has been pretty good mm. like we've seen some of the best looking star trek we've ever seen on this show yeah and my my whole thing is they know they're shooting in hd now so they're trying harder yeah, yeah but then they go down to the rebel base and the rebel base is just like fucking flaming barrels and rebar and like lat like metal ladders that you a lot of chain link fences of they love chain link fences behind. well the 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 15 minutes that archer and Tapal spend in captivity they're in like a woodshed it <laughs> looks like the inside of a shipping container yeah stick them in the watery shack it seriously it looked it, first of all it looked not alien at all which is fine they don't always have to alien everything no it definitely also, looked like somebody's old shed yeah, but it looked like, like, I think the show 24 was either starting around this time or would be soon, and it felt like exactly the kind of place Jack Bauer would be captured by terrorists and, mm-hmm. and like, intimidated and, and tortured. Like, there's there's no difference, like, there's nothing Star Trek about this at all. Not at all. Also, the aliens, I mean, I know they had a lot of aliens, and they had the Andorians, so they were probably running out of alien makeup budget, yeah. but the aliens look real lame. They, re- they legit look like someone just ran up and sort of punched them in the middle of the face. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, these are the cor- we're on Coridan, which is the planet from uh, Journey to Babel that uh, everyone was concerned about the mining rights for. Mm-hmm. They were they were admitting them to the Federation, and it's cool that there's some history there. And it's I, if you're doing a prequel series, I've said this a million times. I'm not a fan of the premise, but if you're doing that, it's cool to explore some stuff and like, okay, who is Coridan? Like, what are they about? What is yeah. their deal? And so it was cool to to see them, except they sucked. Yeah, but mm. what they're about is dumb. They've got yeah. like a secret civil war going on. Yeah, their yeah, like, their government doesn't acknowledge that there are rebels, but there are clearly rebels. Ah, uh, we've it's never dumb. been at war with Eurasia. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And that's irritating. And yeah, they're they're the classic Mullity rebels. They're mm. running around behind barrels, which aren't on flame, you know, on, on fire yet, not a flame yet. Well, it's a prequel. They haven't figured out how to set barrels on fire yet. Yeah, there'll be a whole episode exploring why the bar- barrels are on fire, just like Flonk's favorite episode, why the Klingons have foreheads. And it will be called the Kindling. <laughs> oh god. It's definitely called the Kindling, and they definitely use crystals to start the fire. Yep. Oh, like god. they they take a crystal and bash a rock into it, and that's what starts uh, the fire. Yep. Oh god. And then someone like the first 
uh, rebel leader grows his hair longer and like, this is our look, guys. We've it's like, got guys, it. I, he's just looking at himself in the mirror. Guys, I think I got it. I'm on to something. And Give me some leather. All the leather you <laughs> can find. Uh-huh. And they're all wearing like matching outfits, but then they they cut off the sleeves of one guy's outfit and sew it on to another guy's outfit. <laughs> yes, yep. this. And this what, is what we're doing. What they're burning in that first trash can is their razors. <laughs> and they never shave again. No, no, no. They, uh, they're they throwing away like the razors that get them a close shave. Right. They keep the razors that give them that sort of like stubble. So yeah, they just it's, keep the stubble. They have regulation length stubble. Yeah, yeah, it's called the Miami device. That was a real <laughs> thing that existed. That was a thing that made you have like sexy stubble like Don Johnson did in Miami Vice. <laughs> actually a real thing terrible just the the main melody rebel just looks up just like this this yep. is the rock on which i will build my church <laughs> uh, just terrible i will build an empire to house the machine that cuts my stubble <laughs> i can venture the thing is like i i didn't like any of the action adventure crap like running around with phasers and we were talking about this before mm-hmm. like mm. I usually check out during most of the action sequences because they're so standard. Running around with a phaser has not been interesting to me in, like, 30 seasons of Star Trek. No. Yeah. Like, in some of the movies, they manage to make it work because you have a bigger budget and bigger sets and good choreography. But on the TV show, almost never. Yeah. we saw some more of Archer's physical acting in this where... Yeah, he's not very good. Oh, you mean his excellent falling down? Uh... When standing up? Yeah. Uh Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and talk. I mean, this was my bad thing, and Matt already mentioned this in in his uh, summary. Uh, Literally, uh, he does face plant into T'Pol's cleavage. That is not a joke. No. I mean, it's... That shit's rough, man. And it's not played for a joke, either. It's not like, oh, well, this is embarrassing. No, it's not like... No, it's not supposed to be funny and lighthearted. But it's not supposed to be sexy, either. Although... thing is, like... We're watching the, like, they're tied up together, and so they're trying to get untied. And at first, it sort of seems yeah. like a team-building exercise. But there's, like, a lot of groaning and straining, and I'm like, yeah. is this supposed to be sexy? Well, and I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. You and I, when we watched this together the first time, you're like, this is gross. I'm like, no, they're just untied. They, this isn't gross. And then that happened. I'm like, okay, you're right. And th- then it's like, oh, yep, yep, I guess it is supposed to be sexual Gross. But not sexy. Gross, gross, gross. Yeah, I was reading gross. this interview on uh, Memory Alpha about that about that very same scene. Yeah. And about how when that happened, someone on the crew started blasting sexy music over the speakers. And whoever was being interviewed said it really uh, took the, um, it really uh, lightened up the mood at, after that. And all I can think of is the chick playing to Paul was not asked about that at all. Yeah, I bet yeah. I bet all the dudes thought that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet she thought it was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's not great. And he basically just motorboats her. And then I imagine Trip like, sticking his head. Hey, someone say boat. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can help. But it's, uh, come on, guys. What are you doing? Yeah. Just, Walda, what are you doing? Man, <laughs> Star it's, Trek is bad at this. Yeah. It, it's just, it, and Enterprise just keeps doing it, too. You know, like that, that fucking pathetic sexiness. Yeah, the, the sexy butterfly dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Enterprise. We're the sexiest show on TV. We're not your daddy's Star Trek. No, his Star Trek was good. I, I you know, I, I stole a lot of Playboys from my dad, and his nudity and, and sexiness was a lot more tasteful than yours. Yeah. Also... I mean, 
This is a weird thing to say, but for the most part, it felt like original series handled sexiness better than this does. And that didn't handle sexiness very well. Well, I no. mean, the 60s obviously were a bit misogynist, and especially with someone like Gene Roddenberry running yeah. the show, there was definitely that air to it. But on the other hand, there was a, a flair and a style, like same yeah. with old James Bond, same mm-hmm. with like... Like, it was a little sexist, but if you kind of take it as a tongue-in-cheek, like, not serious thing and but, just kind of a stylish thing. Occasionally, stuff in original series was sexy. Like, well, that's what I'm saying, because whereas, because the style of the 60s at least was worth something, is whereas, what I'm saying. God, I can count on, like, one hand the times that newer Trek has managed to be sexy, and yeah. almost all of them have to do with Picard. Good. Yeah. <laughs> His little Jim Jams. Yeah, and his little Jim... Like, (laughs) Grandpa is a lot more sexy than any of, like, the young hot captains. Yep, I Mm -hmm. concur. Um, Well, since we're doing bad things, Matt, what do you got? So, I mentioned this also in the uh, summary, but uh, Tripp basically puts on a a cloak and distracts (laughs) the guards by bribing them with booze. Like... Let's be real here. He's an actual never-before-seen-by-these-guys aliens, but they don't care because he has booze. He might as well have dressed up as sexy Bugs Bunny for them. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, putting aside my usual, okay, you don't speak their language, all right, universal translator, fine. But you don't know, like, what their cultural norms are. Well, maybe you can fake your way through that. But there's there's so many hoops you have to jump through to make this work. Yeah. It's just, it's it's so dumb. And I've, like, it just, like... Guy walks up out of nowhere. Like, okay, like, I want to be very clear here. Trip wanders out of the woods wearing an Obi-Wan Kenobi cloak. Yep. And just like, hey, the y'all. The base is, it, it's supposed to be remote. Yeah. yeah. No one's supposed to be around. Yeah. And the guys and, are just like, oh, shit, you got booze? Fucking A. And and he he full on plays up the, the folksy southern guy. Like, I got a jug of corn mash liquor here. There's no south on this planet, Trip. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the only continent is in the northern hemisphere. Like, it's all north. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it doesn't make a lick of sense. Uh, also, at one point we do get, and I think you pointed this out as well. Mm. A very comprehensive summary. Like every point we're bringing up, you've already mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the you got Archer and Tapal there, like your 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 top two guys, and then Trip and Malcolm go to save them. Who's yep. your next two guys? So. Who's in charge on the ship? As far as I understand it, it's Ensign Mayweather. Yeah, Ensign, twenty-six-year-old Ensign. Oh, jeez. And uh, now Commander Hoshi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes Hoshi first officer, yeah. I assume. Uh, hey, Travis, the Vulcans are calling. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the thing is, he's not as inept as Harry Kim. He'll, he'll do his best, but he's still not very experienced. At he's still the stuff. guy who sat down in the captain's chair like it was a giant, like it was a huge deal, and just like, oh, maybe I'll launch a torpedo. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, jeez. There is a pretty cute scene where uh, Hoshi and Mayweather are lying to the Vulcans about where where's everyone at. Yeah, I, I, I'm. You're breaking up. Your oh. transmission is. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, jeez, there's a lot of static. Yep. I like Hoshi. She's fucking really cute. And it was better yep. than that that horrible scene they gave Uhura in Star Trek Six, yeah. where she's, like, trying to speak Klingon from books. Uh-huh. Like, it's the same act, but she's doing it better. Yep. Uhura deserved better than that for her last appearance. <laughs> Uhura basically deserved better than everything that ever happened in Star Trek. Yeah, but especially, like, in Six. The, yep. Her last appearance was just terrible no at least she didn't have to at least she didn't say look who's coming to dinner i know they wanted her to but yeah (laughs) 
They gave all the shitty lines to Chekhov. And that was like when Chekhov first made his impression on me was that movie. And like, oh, boy, I hate this character. And mm-hmm. uh, pretty much always did until someone else played him. Yeah, you know, Koenig, he'll take all the shitty lines he can get. Yep. Uh, it's not hair, Walter. <laughs> we still don't have hair. <laughs> Walter has apparently written a book. <laughs> uh, Amanda, what was your good thing? Um, I liked that we showed and not told the Andorians being good infiltrator mm-hmm. commandos. Like, they're supposed to be a bunch of commando guys, and we don't just... I figured at the beginning, we'd just be like, hey, these guys are real good Yeah, reading off guys. a dossier about what yeah. they yeah. are. But no, we, we come down to the planet, and they f- had figured out what was going on before Enter- like before the Enterprise crew did, mm-hmm. and they kidnapped Trip and Malcolm because they knew they were coming. They had a guy on the inside at the rebel base. They had communication devices in there, and that was all set up. And then they came down, and when they had the, the shootout fight, they weren't just, it wasn't just pew, pew, pew. They were mostly sneaking around the base, like in a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it felt like, like Matt's big complaint last time, and I agreed with this, uh, was that the Andorians were basically just Klingons who looked different. And yeah. this time they're fleshing them out a little more. I mean, now they feel more like Romulans to me, but mm-hmm. that's a start. Like, yeah, I'll take giving that. Giving them that depth. Like, now they're sneaky Klingons, which is better. Yeah. So, and, and hopefully with each subsequent appearance, we'll get a little more. I know Jeffrey yeah, Combs it's, it, it's, becomes it's a recurring starting, guy, so. Yeah. It's starting to move them into being their own thing rather than just, you know, Star Trek bad guy of the week. Yeah, yeah. and the thing is, I don't like the jerk Vulcans. I've been very clear about that, and I don't mm-hmm. think any of us do. But no. if that's what we're doing, I kind of like that. They're being real jerks and like they have this whole secret war thing going on with the Andorians and they're funding a secret war on this planet and like to keep the guys they want in charge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like if they're if they're going with this idea, they're going full on with this idea. And again, I don't like it, but this is what we got. So yeah, this is what we what got. Like at it. least it's being done well. Yeah, it's kinda like I don't really care for the premise of Enterprise, but if we're doing it, let's do some cool ideas with a prequel. Yeah. And they're doing some interesting things with the Vulcans, like fighting the Andorians. They don't like the Andorians. And the Andorians are super passionate, which makes total sense that the Vulcans would be, like, even more than humans, like, rubbed mm-hmm. the wrong way. And, yeah, I like These them. guys don't listen at all. And, I, and they keep I, twitching their gross antennas at us. <laughs> I kind of like that the Andorians have a point. Like, yeah. if we're going to be... If we're, if we're committing to jerk Vulcans, which we have, mm-hmm. I like that the Andorians aren't exactly the bad guys. No, like, they're not at all. They, we just, the humans just kind of walked into a conflict yeah. that they didn't realize had been going on, and they're, they, they signed with the Vulcans because... Yeah, they only knew one side of it, but yeah. suddenly, like, oh, there's other guys, and they have a different opinion, and uh, maybe they're right. Who knows? Like, the Andorians are being spied on. They're being kept out of things. Like, secrets are being kept from them that are important to them. Huh. Like, there's military movement going on. Like, the Andorians have reason to be concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really like Jeffrey Combs' whole thing. Oh, me too. Like his, and I don't think his character has a name yet, is what Matt said. I know his name because I've read it other places, yeah. but I but don't they think haven't told us what it is yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like that his guy is uh, like that. He's been keep. He's been kept up at night. Like he, it. It really bothers him that he owes someone a favor, and mm-hmm. that's what this is all about. It's like I gotta repay this debt. I got. To, I just. I hate having this hanging over me. Yeah. I really like that a lot. And because uh, Jeffrey Combs is such a good actor, it really plays. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he looks a little tired, and he looks a little frustrated but yeah. not like that over the top i am an angry guy yeah he just like he just looks like it's just wearing on him like it's yeah just, like, he, he's tired and he doesn't want to be here 
Yeah. And yeah. He just he just wants to get this over with so that he can get on with his day. And I, I really like that. Yeah. No, and it's it's a different kind of character than we've seen mm-hmm. him play before. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like, it's not Brunt and it's not Wayun. It's a whole different... Like, it does have shades of the question, the voice it he does. did on Justice League, but it's different enough. I mean, uh, I'm okay with that as long as he's not replicating... Like, as long as he's not an, another Star Trek character he's played, basically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can... But I can hear bits of that in there, and that's okay, because I loved his The Question. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things that he's done. And I mean, this is the thing with Jeffrey Coombs, is when you're a good enough actor that you can show up this many times on this many different Star Treks and still be different characters. I can't think of a whole lot of other people apart from my beloved uh, Susie Plaxon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Who can pull that off? Like, yeah, and and j- jokes aside, seriously, she's I think the only other example I can think of of someone who has played very distinct. Like, there's other people who have played different guys, but very distinctive, like hard to distinguish between them roles. And I was kind of bummed out when the Andorians first showed up in the the previous episode because like, oh, this is it, huh? Yeah, this is like I was, yeah, was my excited to too. see Jeffrey Combs again, and then it was like, oh. This is what they've given? I mean, he's doing what's in well, front of him, but this isn't great. But it's like when he showed up on Voyager, and we're like, yay! And then, oh, that was a waste. And, like, they don't know what to do with this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And same. But it felt less like that this time. It, it really yeah. felt like uh, they, no, were, they were using him better. And I know he'll become an even bigger part later, so hopefully they will continue to fix that. Yeah. Um, Matt, what was your good thing? I like the, uh, like you said before, uh, I, I like the Vulcans getting cheesed off about the Federation uh, blowing the location of their listening station. It's like you said before, if we're stuck with these stupid jerk Vulcans, the least we can do is have the actions that we've done against them have consequences. Yeah, it's nice because that episode, they made such a big deal out of it. And then like like typical in a Brandon Braga, Rick Berman, Star Trek, you just yeah, ride we, off into the sunset and never think about it We forgot about, about it again. for like four episodes or however fucking long mm-hmm. it's been. And it wasn't that long, though. Yeah. Like, that was only, like, in, in terms of, you know, they're deep in, they're, they're in deep space and it takes a while for the wheels of bureaucracy to turn. And, like, yeah. that feels about right. It feels like it would be about this amount of time. But, like, I like the, like, no, the Vulcans are real, real pissed off about this. Yeah. And they basically, like, uh, as far as I can see here, they basically finish, like, put a stop to all the human Vulcan, like, yeah. uh, uh, joint efforts except for T'Pol and the Enterprise. And that feels like it's a big deal. I don't love, like, near the end when Archer, like, basically handles, like, okay, she's going to stay here while she's unconscious. And then she wakes up. What happened? Oh, you're staying on the Enterprise. But what about what I want? Yeah. Well, this is what you want, right? We're great. Let me have them boobs again. I want, uh, just, man. I I will say he's coming along. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I don't completely hate him in this episode like I did in the first handful. He's not there yet. But. No. Though, I mean, one more one more time again, he is like, I'm going to take T'Pol on with me on with me on this mission because it'll make her happy. No, it, it won't. And then even he gets annoyed she, because she's not happy. Yeah, even if she liked you, which mm. she doesn't because you suck. Also, you've only known each other for a couple of months. Yeah. That's not how Vulcans express no. their, like appreciation for things. She's not going to just be like smiling and carrying on. No. And speaking of that, there mm. was a great scene near the end where she is in her sick bed and they're yeah. talking to the Vulcan officials and Phlox talks to the Vulcans and Phlox completely changes the way he talks when he talks to the Vulcans. And you realize, Oh, some people are capable of diplomacy. He doesn't expect the Vulcans to react emotionally. He completely drops all his normal, cheerful guy stuff and says, uh, you know, 
the uh, the injuries are quite severe. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he talks to them, and then he turns back to Archer and says, "Okay, so now what are we going to do?" Yeah. Like I just I like he's and we've seen this about him already. He's sensitive enough to the needs of other cultures that he he understands the Vulcans don't work like that. And he wants to try and communicate with people, not just force them into the cookie cutter mold right. of his own species. Mm-hmm. No, he is by far the most diplomatic. Like the Vulcans yeah. are jerks, and the humans are completely immovable. And really, Phlox is like the only one who seems interested in trying to find a mill ground. Yeah. Danlo, he's here on an exchange program to learn about humans, and he is doing that. Yeah, but we've seen other people do that. Like, when Riker went to a Klingon yeah. ship, he, he he did his best, but he was still a little judgy. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's He is in the spirit of the thing. Yeah. Like, for reals. But so many humans we've seen do that are not. And in the, the the episode from last week, we saw that like when we had some of his inner monologue, it's difficult for him, but he's still do just because something's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, idiots. Right. No, a lot of that is what Star Trek is about. Yeah. yeah. You know, and particularly the early days of Starfleet stuff is about that. Like, yeah, this is hard, but uh, you know, the human adventure and so forth. So, my good thing. Yeah. Nice. Always nice to hear from Jeffrey Combs. Uh huh. Yeah, we talked. I think we covered that earlier. Yeah, that, but that's basically yeah. I. Like there was so much potential in this, but I feel like it wasn't actually a very good episode. It was just more of a good idea for an episode. But mm. I like seeing that guy. So. And it he felt way more realized and well used in this. Yeah. I wonder if this is one of those things again where they just hired him to hire him, and then we're like, oh no, he was fucking great. Bring him back. Yeah, that could be. It seems like they'd know that by now. I would but think these, you you would think right. These but guys I mean, aren't the guys who made DS Nine. Like uh, yeah. Me, Putting aside our opinions, like, the fact is the same production team from Voyager is making this. The DS9 guy, like, there might be some of the lower guys, but as far as executive producers and writers and stuff go, the DS9 guy, like, these guys don't know much about DS9. Rick Berman was bullied by (laughs) Iris Stephen Bear and really had not a lot of creative input there. It seems like they would have at least watched the show. Probably. I'm I'm imagining. This is all just speculation on my part. Braga said, well... Ron Moore hired this guy a lot. There must be something to him, but he probably mm-hmm. didn't even know what it was. And Braga and Ron Moore were friends, yeah. so you'd think he would just watch his show. No, they did. They didn't though. I've I've read examples of them like, oh, they did this on Deep Space Nine. I don't know. I don't watch that show. So weird. Uh, not really. I mean, they also don't really watch the original series. They've said that a bunch too. Yeah, that's true. Well, why would you watch that when you're doing a a, a prequel to? I it? mean, Braga straight up said, "I don't really like Star Trek. It's boring." Uh, why are you uh, just uh, okay anything else are you uh, uh, are you asking me if I want to get anything off my chest because what I want to get off my chest is Archer <laughs> no that was for my fan uh-huh enjoy that <laughs> um something I did want to bring up was uh, uh I'm actually really enjoying to Paul's uh, Vulcan acting like in yeah I think one, she's pretty good so yeah. far in this one, she does a thing like when we're down on the uh, the planet, and she's lying to the rebels because they're beating up the captain. So she's like, "He's not the captain." Yeah, he's the cook. <laughs> yeah, and it's, she does that thing where they ask her a question, and she doesn't say anything to respond. So uh-huh. she's not lying. Yep. But she's letting them believe what they want to believe. Uh, she's been pretty good at that. No, I, I Matt, I know you're not. You haven't been a huge fan of her so far, and a couple other people who've been on have, have said is, the same. That, that is true. I. I don't think that she's that great an actor. <laughs> I think she's pretty good. 
Like, think... she's not as good as Nimoy or uh, Tim Russ, but I think she's got, you know. No, but I think she does some of those Tim Russ things where yeah. she's expressing what Vulcan happiness or interest looks like. Yeah. No, so far, you know, so far I find her the most sympathetic, if not the most likable. Flox is the most likable, but I find yeah. her, like, more sympathetic. I I feel, feel bad like for I, her. Yeah, me too. I feel like I have, I've, like, yeah. I can very easily put myself in her very tall boots that Rick Berman made her wear. Yeah. No, she very much has that, that feel, you know, of of like a um, like a woman in an office full of men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, Ugh, quit putting your dick in things. Yeah, just, just stop. stop it, guys. Just stop. Hey, guys, guess what new thing I put my dick in? <sighs> and actually, that was my alternate title. The Consequences of Putting Your Dick in Things. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, what do you got, Amanda? Um, the saucy favors of the Andorians. Pretty good. What about you, Matt? Shadows of the Empire featuring Dash Rendar. <laughs> Although, I, I gotta say the Andorian debacle's probably better. Yeah. yeah. It is. Dash Rendar and Prince Zizor. Yep. Ugh. Ugh, the 90s. <laughs> so glad we're not covering TV from the 90s anymore. I'm Dash Rendar. <laughs> <laughs> Feels uh, like someone should be named Shatter. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Or Lord Cyanife. Yeah. From the Blood Apocalypse. <laughs> Heard you guys were short of Han Solo. Well, I'm your new Han Solo, Dash Rendar. It's basically the same. <laughs> One syllable name and then two syllables. This is my da, Chewbacca, da, da. a shitty robot. Yep. All right, Matt, what do you got for a quote? Uh, yeah, this is the uh, the head of the uh, rebels saying some crap to someone. Was she a great big fat person? I, I'm pretty sure that's not from this episode. I disagree. <laughs> all right, fair enough. I, I didn't really get that from him at all, but... Uh, that's the only you, thing man. I could think of when he showed up. Uh, fair enough. All right, moving on to Shuttle Pod 1. Amanda, take it away. All righty, I will take it away. So, Enterprise has heard our complaints through some kind of time hole, probably created by Braga and Berman, and have set out to create an episode that puts Trip and Malcolm together in close quarters so we can finally learn to tell them apart. Seriously, these guys have a Betty and Veronica thing going on, and as soon as you light them real murky and you can't see what their hair color is, there is no telling which is which. So, uh, T&M are in the titular shuttle pod one, out looking at some space when they lose their communications array. But it's cool. Enterprise is coming back to them in a couple of days, so they just have to wait it out and play space cribbage or whatever until then. Unfortunately, due to a bedroom farce series of events where Hoshi was chasing Mayweather with a feather, around with a feather duster, who knocks Archer over, who jumps into Phlox's arms, kicking over a control panel, T&M are given reason to believe that the Enterprise has exploded again. Nah. <laughs> They're out way too far away from any inhabited planets to make it there before the air runs out, but Trip is determined to find a way to survive, and Malcolm is determined to drown himself in his own tears. <laughs> that one was for Matt. <laughs> Trip figures out how uh, fixing the communications array on the shuttle pod is like fixing a boat, but he just, he just can't quite make the leap between the two. Uh, he does determine that uh, turning down the heat will buy him a few extra days of air, Malcolm determines that the most irritating thing to do in an enclosed space uh, under stressful circumstances is to record your audio journal nonstop for like seven hours. <laughs> they have a couple of fights about their differing opinions of how they should die in the unforgiving vastness of space that culminates in them getting drunk and maudlum. Malcolm then has a wet dream about T'Pol. Not really. 
this happens. Hey, time hole? Time hole! Time hole, can you hear me? I would also like to register a complaint about all the gross over-sexualization of T'Pol. Thank you, time hole. <laughs> they eventually figure out a way to signal to Enterprise who fetches them back home again, and after spending nearly an hour with TNM, telling them apart will be no Travis- Damn it! Damn it! I mean triple! It'll be no triple at all! <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I, there, were, there was a lot to like about this. The wet dream is not one of them. That sure wasn't. That was God. fucking gross. Yeah, God, we watched it again, and it's so long. Yeah, it's like ten minutes. It's like a whole act. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, and that's like, my that was my bad thing. It's a fucking dream fake out. Like, okay, we think they're rescued. Oh, but they're not rescued. Ugh. Like, ten minutes, Enterprise? Are you kidding me? We yeah. need ten minutes of a scene that doesn't matter? Yep. Like, this episode is all about fucking figuring out who Malcolm and Trip are and how they relate to each other. <laughs> fucking do that. No, the thing this did was show me how gross I think Malcolm is, which, by the way, is very. Okay, it's weird, though, because they look very similar. We've made a lot of observations yep. to that effect, and yet one of them is fairly attractive and the other is not. Yeah. That's weird. Part of that might be the grossness, because, like, every time we have, like, kind of a nasty sexual scene it feels like malcolm's there mm -hmm. like he's there for the bug strip tease at the beginning um he is um what was the other one? Oh there's, god there was another one in this and no i did, oh he talks about wanting to have sex with like six breasted women that's the same yeah. episode that's yeah. also in the pilot yeah there, like, there there's more though i'm just i can't think of anything right now i i guess i just haven't like i've definitely noticed a creepy gross like that that gross sexual bleh, that rick berman yeah. on everything oil yeah but i never really associated it with him but i guess you guys might be right i well the thing there is that it was still early days and we were still figuring out which of them was which yeah yeah and and if nothing else this episode helps like finally determine because yeah the thing is i kind of like trip now like yeah based yeah. on this i mean i haven't hated him before but this really kind of cements him as like th to me this is classic comedy this this the two of them together like one of them is just convinced they're gonna die and he's all mopey and he's all trying to send letters to all the girls that he never got to kiss and the other one's trying to fix the problem and everything's gonna be okay and mm -hmm. it's it's like it was a bit Bashir O'Brien but mm -hmm. different enough that it wasn't the same it felt like they were gonna draw a line down the, yeah. of the shuttle it was yeah. a bit Ernie and Bert like yeah. it's very classic dynamic and I liked it and now I honestly don't think I'll have a problem telling these two apart anymore because Malcolm's the unlikable one who's just sort of <laughs> melodramatic and trips the sort of like, yeah, he's a dopey Southern guy, but he's also kind of charming. And he's, he's a friendly dopey Southern guy. He's also, yeah, he's upbeat and he wants to like, he's got that astronaut spirit. He's got yeah, that. Yeah. You know what? All we got here is, is these like this leftover crap from my lunch. Let's see if we can fix it with this. Yeah. Also, we were talking about how trip is kind of a good astronaut nickname. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it, it makes like a lot of, It's very buzz. Yeah. yeah. And also, he's, I don't, he's, he's just got that, like, he's, he's kind of charming. Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, I've, I've, um, he's, he's been growing on me. Like, I, yeah. I genuinely liked, um, most of that Trip Gets Pregnant episode. There's a couple parts where I was like, Ugh. Yeah, but they didn't get nearly as gross with that as we were no, expecting. I we were expecting that to be a rough I one. I was really strapped in to yeah, just, Yeah, there was, was like, like one okay. or two little Okay, lines. Amanda, you can do this. I believe in you. You can watch this episode and not, like... <laughs> tear off your own skin and throw it at the screen. Yep. Uh, but it was it was actually like, I was like, this is pretty good and I kind of like Trip. Yeah. 
no, he's he's if if he stays like this. And so far, one of the only things I like about Archer is his friendship with Trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that that helps too. So uh, you know, he's and getting there. Having Trip lighten up onto Paul because at first Trip like that's that's the thing that I made, yeah. one of the things that made me not like Trip was how he was because he was acting like Archer was. Yeah. It came in all racist. Yeah. But he's he's sort of lightening up on that, and yeah, it, this, that's not entirely fixed yet. But I don't better. know. I they just haven't had a lot of scenes together. I don't know if they're fixing it or if they're just not focusing yeah. on it as much. Yeah, but they haven't. Like that was that was really what sort of turned me off on him to begin with. It was like, fuck you. Why are you being such a dick? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, they're all like that more or less. Like Hoshi's the only human, yeah. who doesn't treat her like garbage. Yeah. So you know, man, I want them to be best friends. Yeah, I'd watch that show. Yeah. We'll see. I, but I like these guys not being friends. Yeah. And I like just, I liked, I liked it. I don't know. I enjoyed that part of it. I like the wet dream was gross, but oh, uh, God, yeah. the rest of it, like Malcolm very much feels like a character who was deliberately written to be unlikable. And yeah. You mentioned that when we were watching the episode and that never occurred to me before, but it makes a lot of sense. It's not bad writing. There is some bad acting there. He's definitely the weakest part of this ensemble. Oh, by no, like a we'll get to that in a second. Shot. Yeah, we will. But, um, but, but. In terms of, like, when you look at it on paper, it's like when early Julian, like, yeah. mm-hmm. where he's just completely smug and and uh, just, oh, I, I hate him. I be out on the frontier. Yeah. And, uh, Matt, you said this is like if Julian was always like that. Yeah, if all, if the only thing about Julian was is like, oh, th- the best part is being out here on the frontier where, where Helping you Helping you live. savages. <laughs> yeah. Also... Um, Julian got better by having good friends yeah. because his friendship with O'Brien was great and his really grounded him. Yeah. And his friendship with Garrick was great. Yeah. Like, ha- like mm-hmm. the people he surrounded him with, like him having an interesting girlfriend did make him a more interesting character. Mm-hmm. But also like the captain never liked him. No, That's something we noticed the whole time was great. But it was, like, I don't think that Malcolm's ever going to get that, but that's okay. Like, if there's one guy that's just kind of irritating to work with yeah i i don't mind that so much it's kind of like the i mean he's nowhere close to as well written as like kai win or something but sometimes characters aren't supposed to be likable mm-hmm. yeah but that's sort of like i, I want to let's talk about matt's uh matt's oh, yeah. bad thing and then i want to talk about that okay yeah so we mentioned a couple episodes back uh when malcolm got sick that he's a terrible sick actor yeah um, cold and i'm british well, it turns out there's something worse than that. Um, Malcolm's a terrible, awful, terrible drunk actor. Oh, like, the guy basically turns into a Benny Hill character at about the halfway point. Or Arthur. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just he sort of, like, so they're basically waiting to die, and, they both, and they're both getting shit-faced. And we open on fucking Malcolm staring at the camera with this big fucking stupid grin on his face. Uh... You're my best friend. Shut up. Shut up, Trip. Listen. Shut up. You are the best, my best that ever. Shut up. I'm talking. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like for a full act. Oh. Yeah, it is. And the thing is, Trip's actually doing a good job. Yeah, actually, Trip's pretty good. Like he, Matt was saying, he feels like he's gotten drunk with, with Trip before. Yeah. Like just that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, and the thing is, the, the second time we have the sound off when we watch mm, it, because yeah. I don't want to hear that terrible theme it's song. It's been a yeah. long time. That one. Um, it's not exactly it, but close <laughs> enough. Um, but even just in their physical acting, you can see Trip like, sort of looking down, like, oh, 
depressants were a mistake. This is a <laughs> no. grim situation, and getting drunk was not the idea. Like the, Trip's the best a, idea. Trip's a quiet drunk. Like he sort of shuts down and just like. I, oh. I feel like he'd be happy under happy circumstances. Like if he was drinking with Archer and they're having a little party, yeah. that would be okay. But, but in this in this situation where they know they're gonna die, and he's doing his best to deny that and try to fix the situation. Yeah, drinking just reminds him. Oh shit. This is hopeless. Yeah. And I've been doing a good job of not thinking about that. And now it's all I can think about. I, and just it's it's really good compared to Malcolm's W.C. Fields impression. Yeah. And he's he's wearing all that on his face. Like I said, I had it muted. And I could see just him like, oh, I regret this. Or maybe yeah. he's just one of those guys who shouldn't drink. Like he's one of those guys who when he drinks, could be. he always gets. A, yeah, but he's a Florida, man. It's in his blood. <laughs> it's literally in his blood. <laughs> But but talking about uh, the the guy who plays Malcolm's not great acting. No. When you have one of those unlikable characters, like the guys who are written to be unlikable. Yeah, they have to be great. They, Louise Fletcher as as uh, Kai Wynn was outstanding, and oh, you, amazing. Made you hate her. Yeah. But it's it's one of those ones where yeah, if it, the actor's also not very, it, it's a hard role to carry mm-hmm. uh, to to make us not like you, but still want to see you. And yeah. right now with Malcolm. I don't like him, and I don't want to see him. Yeah, I could see that. Whereas, like, I, um, uh, uh, Alexander Siddig at least had some charm to him. Oh yeah, and, and Alexander Siddig had great friends. So if I knew if, Bashir but I'm saying just in pure up, terms of in the early days when he was written as unlikable, yeah. the actor totally sold the yeah. smugness and made you want to smack him, but in a way that it was like, okay, that's part of the show. Yeah. Whereas here, it's a little more like I don't know. This guy's just kind of a dick. And when Malcolm shows up, I don't know that he's going to be surrounded by people I want to see because there's no one on Enterprise so far that I want to see. I think so getting. Much. I mean, I like, I like Flocks. Yep. And I like yeah. Hoshi, and yep. I like Travis. Okay. Like we're not even to where Voyager like fifty fifty where I like half the characters, but we're getting to the point where there's some guys I like. Mm-hmm. And would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I think we're getting there. Yeah, like it's not. The first few episodes where it's like, I don't care about what any of these people do. Yeah. I just do not care. But no, I'm it's it's a very excited. slow process, but it's kind of interesting yeah. to watch. Like, I never had this with a Star Trek before. Yeah. Like, I've gone into every one of them knowing pretty much who everyone was. Well, and that's that's on us, really. Like, mm-hmm. it's uh, we had an unfair advantage already knowing what we're getting into. Here, we're watching it basically as new viewers. Like, I saw it once, you know. 15 yeah. years ago, but I didn't, I don't remember God, anything. I watched the first, I watched the pilot of Enterprise and I was like, you know what? Nope. No thanks nope. on the sexy oiling. Nope, Thank you. Nope. Nope. I'm done. I'm out. I gave it the first season in a bit, but I don't remember much. Like <laughs> I, I don't, I couldn't tell you anything about Voyager at this point. So like, yeah. I definitely am not going to tell you about Enterprise, which I watched 15 years ago. So, um, what was your good thing, Matt? Uh, yeah, so getting back to liking Trip, turns out Trip likes Superman, which goes a long way towards making me like Trip. Yeah. Now they're just having a discussion, uh, Malcolm's reading Ulysses. Of course he is. Because he's a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, all his melodramatic letters to his Mm ex-girlfriends and all, like, you definitely have a friend like that. Uh-huh. Who, who writes poems about stuff and mm-hmm. is just way too serious about his life and, yep. and looking back on his life now that it's ending. And, oh, yeah. Shut up, man. But he's just like, yes, well, I'm reading Ulysses. If I'm just was... like, I like Superman. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. So do I. <laughs> 
if I was if I was trip and I figured that everyone was like everyone was dead and we were gonna die anyway, I might take a rock to Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just 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 shh. Or bash, bash, bash. we know for sure that there is a phaser with the stun setting mm-hmm. on this thing. Just stun him for five days or whatever. This'll shut him up. <laughs> He'll take up less oxygen because he won't be talking and stuff. <laughs> And uh, he won't bother you, and he won't get in your way when you're trying to fix things. God, can you imagine, like, even your favorite person in the world listening to them journal for, like, a full day? I wouldn't wish that on anyone. No, I don't want to hear myself. Like, I have recorded audio journals, and when I go back and listen to my earlier self-journaling, it's it's insufferable. Yeah. That's me. I like me. No, I hate me. But, you know. But... But, yeah, like, yeah, even, like, a person who I find genuinely interesting, even my favorite podcast, uh, which is clearly this podcast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah. No, I like popular shows. Um, but even my favorite <laughs> podcast, once you get past about an hour and a half, I don't want to hear it anymore. Shut so you're up. So you're not a big fan of our two-hour supplementals? <laughs> I watch, I listen to the supplementals in, like, hunks. Yeah. I'll listen to I'll listen to in like two sections. We are hunks, aren't we, Matt? <laughs> uh, yes, that is definitely the word I would use to describe <laughs> both of us. Hey, you're radio yeah. personality, so that 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 tracks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As far as you know, we're hunks. <laughs> no, I don't. I I also it was weird hearing them say Superman. Yeah, no, Superman. The word Superman has never appeared on Star Trek before. No, it was cool, but it was like you actually said a real copyrighted character that doesn't yeah. belong to Paramount. Good job, guys. Also, Superman does feel like one of those ones that might still be around in the future. Like, it's been around a long time. And I'd like uh, to believe that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Warner Brothers still owns it. Yeah. Of course they fucking do. Yeah. And they're still making terrible movies about him. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's weird that that's the one Trip's into. You'd think he'd be into Aquaman. Right? Because boats. Yeah. Gotta get them catfish. Yeah. <laughs> well. He can s- talk to catfish. Mo- <laughs> Superman... Superman came to came to Earth on a boat, right? That's that's uh, that's the origin <laughs> that's a, story I read. Space boat, yeah, basically a space boat. Malcolm, can you imagine the ability to talk to a catfish? <laughs> <laughs> Just to to really get inside its head, see what it's thinking. I've I've eaten so many catfish over the years. I know so much about them, but I feel like I know nothing about them. What's happening in there? Catfish. What's happening behind those? Marble-like eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. <laughs> I knew, I knew uh-huh. you were going to Gotta set him up for that, don't you? <laughs> See, I always steer... Cl- Uh-oh. I, Uh-oh. We're coming up on a Jaws reference. Swerve uh-huh. so he can't find it. <laughs> come back here and shun this shit for a while. Uh, you're gonna need a bigger... Uh, boat. Uh, boat. Uh, boat. Someone say boat. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I, I love that uh, my, uh, uh, Tripp's uh, catchphrase has apparently just become catfish. Yeah, exclamation point. <laughs> And he's doing like the the jazz hands, like yeah. the big like Broadway, like spreading his arms, like catfish. We that is a episode. shirt I would wear. <laughs> we were watching the episode, and the we got the volume turned like most of the way down, and we had sort of a lull in the conversation. And Matt just uh, I don't know, we're just like we were, had a close up of uh, of trip, and Matt was just like catfish. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> he just the loves is- catfish. <laughs> The thing is, I like, like, again, I, I really got to like him in this one. And my good thing is, I like these characters think they're in danger, but we know better. Like, this is the thing I bitched about all throughout Voyager, is that, come on, we know the Enterprise didn't blow up. Why are you making this a mystery for us? Like, yeah. the tension yeah. comes from the characters not knowing and thinking everyone's dead. And I yeah. like that. But I like telling us immediately, no, what happened was there was a disaster and they had to jettison some debris. And so it looks like 
the Enterprise is dead because all they found was a handful of like scraps of metal that say NX01 on them. And but, we mm-hmm. found that immediately. Like yeah, as soon as right after the, the teaser, second, we knew. The second they saw that, next we came back yeah. and we knew that everything was yeah. fine. No, and so the story's about them. It's like uh, Hitchcock said this about suspense. He's like uh, having a um a briefcase with a bomb in it ticking under a, a, a table is interesting when the audience knows it's there and the characters don't. Yeah. That's good suspense. And like, I want to, I I'm so tired of having my mind blown mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they didn't like, you know, you could see how this could play out in a typical like Voyager style episode, right? Where we think the enterprise blew up too. And then we find out they didn't. Uh, yeah. We know they didn't. It's the name of the fucking show. They're fine. So they don't do that. Instead, it's just these two thinking that and uh, trying to make their way, you know, back home or whatever. And I like that. Mm-hmm. It's a Hoping good choice. The next sleep will take them home. Home. Is that a thing? <laughs> that's what I hear. I assume that's a thing. I don't know. Quantum Leap is garbage, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't think I've seen an episode of. I haven't either. I just like saying that because it really upsets some people. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of very devoted Quantum Leap fans out there. You're pulling some pigtails. Uh huh. I have I have no interest in the premise is all it's I don't, I'm not a big jumping into people's bodies thing like I don't know the con I, I the concept's not terrible eh, the concept's not terrible as drama I just don't think it's good as science fiction is mm. it? it feels but, like the parts of Star Trek you don't like yeah but I've said before I like plenty of things that Star Trek doesn't do well other things do mm-hmm. Braga so often wants to make the X Files mm-hmm. and the X Files when it was firing on all cylinders was pretty good but. This show doesn't do that very well. No. It does not. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, Amanda, will we talk about your good thing? Uh, no, well, we've sort of danced around it, but uh, I like that we spend the bulk of the episode with the two main characters. It feels like a good two-hander play, which is something I like in Star Trek. Um, mm-hmm. they've, they've done a bunch of really good episodes uh, where it's just two guys on a shuttle or two mm-hmm. guys on a planet or yeah. whatever. Um some of my favorite episodes are like this. Like one of the episodes that I remember most fondly about um, DS9 is when Jake and Cisco are on the sunship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the two of them. Explorers. Yeah. And it's just, it, I, I like that sort of thing. I think it's a good way to explore the characters. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got strong actors, which I think the guy who plays Trip is, yeah. is quite good. Or even if it's an adversarial relationship yeah. like um, uh, uh, Chain of Command. Mm-hmm. Where you got the guy torturing Picard, and it's again just two guys yeah. in a room. Yeah, it's just it's a good way to explore the characters, and we don't end up with so much of the running around action adventure stuff. It's just yeah. two guys trying to figure trying stuff to out. Figure stuff yeah, out. yeah. I, I like that. I like when Star Trek does that, and I, I liked it here. And early in a series, when we seriously like, even putting aside the fact that okay, they physically resemble each other, they like, look like they could be brothers. They do. Like, yeah, they, they genuinely do. But but putting that aside, like it's good early in any show to give us something where we can definitely say, this is this guy, this is this guy. Now I will never confuse anyone because I know who they are. Like, like it was good to put this early mm-hmm. because now forever I will remember certain things about Trip and Malcolm that will help me like understand who they are. And now I feel like when they do the next people are acting out of character episode. Yeah, you'll I, have a better idea of what they're mm-hmm. supposed to be like. Yeah, I know what Trip is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. Malcolm suddenly came on all brave, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, wait a minute, wait a wait wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh what was your bad thing, Amanda? Um so we talked a little bit about this as well, but after the wet dream when they're drunk, um, we have Malcolm talking about to Paul's ass. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just straight up says, oh, I think she has a nice bum. Fuck you. That sucks. Yeah, Don't no. do that. Malcolm's fucking gross. And the thing is, like, because he's British and he says bum, I want to laugh. But no, it's not cool. Bum's you a funny word. It is. It is let's a all, funny let's word. Let's all say bum. Yes, bum. bum. But you've got to bum. say it in a British accent. <laughs> bum. My bum. Uh, yeah. Bum. Willikins, what about my bum? <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was talking about his own bum. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. but, but not. <sighs> no, no, he it's just not like good. talks about the shape of her ass, and it's yeah, like, it's <sighs> yeah, it's super gross. She's it's, your coworker. Yeah, she's got a nice bum. Just and, stop it! You're fucking disgusting. And yeah. Trip to begin with is like, you know what? I don't really see her that way because she's my coworker, and eventually. Well, also, he doesn't look at Vulcans that way because he's a little bit of a racist. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, good for you, Trip. But then, uh, then Malcolm brings him in and makes him complicit, and it's like, oh, come on, man. I can, just before we get off the topic, because this is inter- interesting to me. I can see guys who have just met aliens for the first time not being comfortable about whether or not they should find them attractive. No, I agree, yeah. but they've been around for like a hundred years now. I, and that's still like a, a guy uh. who was like born on Earth and is like, you know, Vulcans have been around, but they're definitely Vulcans like, have been around his entire life. Yeah. He's never still. not known Vulcans, so they're not, like, that unusual to him. I don't know. It just feels, like, early enough to me where he can, like, like mm. look, they're pe- they're, I, it's not that I don't see them as people, but I don't know, like, I don't know if this is, like, bestiality I, or not. I see what you're saying. And if, if Zephram Yeehaw Cochran <laughs> was like that, that would be okay. But mm. we're, we're, like, a full generation or two after that, so I don't know. You know, I joked about it in my summary, but man, I'm tired of them making T'Pol this like sex doll. Yeah. Like, no, I agree. I, I it's like real. Cool. It's it's really upsetting. And I feel so bad for her all the yeah. time. Well, and the thing is, they did a lot of that with Seven of Nine, also. But Seven of Nine always shut that shit down. Always. And T'Pol you know, that, just that sort that of char- rolls like, her eyes. That was what I thought that character was going into Voyager, and they proved me wrong by the end of it by making her one of the best characters on. Yeah, that but show. but Harry Kim for the first like. 10 episodes Seven of Nine was on was just tripping over his own boner all the time. Well, that's because Harry Kim is also gross. Yeah. Yeah. He is. And and really, Malcolm is just Harry Kim 2.0. Well, actually, um, we were talking too, Mayweather is like good Harry Kim, like a fresh-faced yeah. young ensign who we kind of like. Yeah. Like if you put Harry Kim in the transporter. <laughs> and, and, and filter out all the garbage. Yeah. yeah. And that stuff goes to Malcolm and the rest goes yeah. to... Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, Flox, I mean, is is uh, Neelix done better yeah, too? Good, I think. Good yeah, good Neelix. Yeah. Because there was that bit in the last uh, last pair of episodes. I don't remember which one where T'Pol needed some dental work done, mm-hmm. and he's being a little irritating mm-hmm. while like while he's drilling her mouth. He's like, uh, "So you, uh, you you going anywhere on vacation this year?" And that felt like uh, Neelix Tuvok. And uh, he actually, uh, in one of these two episodes, he spends a little time uh, having lunch with T'Pol mm-hmm. and telling her like, "Hey, listen." Here's here's some good social advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it 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 they usually to me feel a bit like yeah. Tuvok and Neelix but done better. All right. Anything else? Um so there's something I want to there's uh, something I want to talk about that's not specific to really to these episodes but man alive some of the makeup choices are mm-hmm. real. Oh bad. yeah, we were talking about this during the episode. Well, you get a lot of, because you're in close quarters with only two characters, yeah. you get a lot of close-ups, so I think you notice it more in this one. Yeah, the, everyone in this show is wearing so much lip gloss. Mm-hmm. Like It's, it's like, really yeah. noticeable, especially when Malcolm gets drunk. Yeah, Matt, 
you had a good descriptor of this when we were watching it. Oh, God, I don't remember what it was now. You said that it looks like their lips are sweating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just dre- just mouths drenched in sweat. Yeah, and not, Malcolm's yeah. gross tongue lolling around on his lips. <laughs> and back to sort of to Paul and the whole makeup thing, they really have not settled on a look for her. No, it's very inconsistent. Every week she looks different. And it's not like, like yeah. Al, Al had said, um, you know, Counselor Troy looks a little different every day because she, you know. Counselor Troy d- definitely struck yeah. me as a traditional feminine, like classic, like like pretty girl who yeah. wants to look pretty and primp her hair and do makeup. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, she, that's, that was her deal. I but like that yeah. about her. Then they, when they did that with Kira, where she kept changing her hair and her makeup and stuff, like that doesn't feel quite as in character. Like Troy feels like someone who would spend an hour trying to look a certain way. Yeah. And some characters don't. And yeah. to Paul, it's not even just that it looks like she's trying different stuff out. It's like basic things about her character design keep changing. Like her hairline's different and her eyebrows. Yeah, the are angles on her eyebrows are different. And it feels like they, they haven't settled on the makeup. And I, I just, it's really, I find it very jarring. Yeah, it's something they really should have nailed by this point in the season. Yeah. Well, also, it might be another aspect of HD because you get so much of a better look at things. Yeah. You notice mm-hmm. them a lot more. I suppose like, that's true, yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of that in this show where it's like, I can definitely tell a greater effort went into the effects because they know people can see them more closely now. But uh, the downside of that is if you mess something up, everyone's going to notice. Yeah. Yeah. So, anything else? Oh, I think that's uh, yeah. That's all my all my business. All right, you got a quote for us, Amanda? Oh yeah. Um, you can't grow beards in space. And just what are you doing? An officer at his best is always well groomed. Nice to see you're developing a more positive attitude. Actually, I was thinking about what our corpses would look like when they're eventually found. With no air in the pod, they should remain in fairly good condition. Charming. (laughs) (laughs) All due respect, you're wrong about the beards. Uh, Matt, what's your alternate title? Are we dead yet? (laughs) (laughs) Amanda? Uh, Trip's irritating friend. And I went with The Cure for Face Blindness. <laughs> and it was. Yep. Uh, you win the prize of best uh, best alternate title. <laughs> I feel like we finally just, like, we've got, like, the Homer Simpson, Lenny White, Carl Black thing on our hands now with him, with his yep. guys. Yep. <laughs> all right. That's all for this time. Amanda, you got plugs. I do. I run a photo blog, and I do a photo a day, and it's uh, giantblackalbatross.tumblr.com, and you should all go there and say how great it is. What else would you like to plug? Oh, yeah, and we got another thing I'd like to plug as well that's not photo-related, but there's photos, because there's always photos. Uh-huh. Um, Al and I have started uh, a podcast, we've got a couple episodes out, called We're Trying, uh, and so that's we'retrying.com, and it is a podcast where we try new experiences and we're very trying while we do it uh, yeah i mean just <laughs> that, that, that was just a deliberate life. that was yeah. deliberate wordplay there yeah. wordplay well yeah but it's, it's a married couple tries to break out of their comfort zone yeah. and leave the damn house is is the way we've been trying to sell that to yeah people, we so. almost called it we hate fun yeah <laughs> but we felt it might be a little too negative yeah a little too yeah. on the nose yeah I mean, um, you do, but yeah. I mean, well, I definitely do, and yeah. I, I think she does too. I actually. hate fun. I hate fun pretty good. Yep, it's one of the things we bonded over. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all for this time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, 
Say your Write, thing. review, whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, review, and comment. Like, review, comment. Uh-huh. Uh, catfish. Uh-huh. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this. Mm-hmm.